This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Lucas Rockwood with me. Lucas, how you doing? Doing great, Brett. Nice to be here. Awesome, man. Well, you're coming to us from Spain. Yep, yep, exactly. Spain is not next to St. Louis, so we've got a little distance between the two of us, but isn't technology amazing? Here we are. You can uh, you can be in Spain. I'm in St. Louis, and we're having a nice discussion today. So thanks for being with me. Yeah, um, so man, you are an entrepreneur. You're helping all sorts of people. You can see a studio there behind you and, uh, mm-hmm. you're serving the world, man, through breathing and yoga and, and all sorts of stuff, which I'm excited to talk about today. And, and so glad we could connect, but maybe if you could Lucas, just kind of give us a lay of the land. What's made you the man you are today. It's a very open-ended question. I know that, but I think it helps our audience kind of get an understanding of who you are and what you're about. Sure. I mean, you started off talking about entrepreneurship, so maybe we could just start there right now. It's very fashionable to be an entrepreneur and people want to go to university and study entrepreneurship. I think that's great. When I was first getting started, I guess I've been in business now for 15 years. I just didn't have any other option. And so I always say there's two paths to entrepreneurship. One (laughs) is it's kind of a dream and a vision. And the other is kind of forced entrepreneurship. I was living in a country that wasn't my own. I was living in Thailand and um, totally unemployable. My Thai is pretty lousy. I know about 2000 words. And um, so I just had to make something work for myself. And it was really a struggle. I think a lot of people get really excited about business. I was really anti-business. You know, I'm a yoga guy. I didn't want to learn business or anything like that. I'd, I'd left the corporate world in New York City. Didn't want to be in marketing. Never want to do advertising again. And it's very interesting how things kind of come full circle and you start to as you mature in life and, you know, have a family and have kids and you start to put things in perspective and you realize how the world works and um, the vilification of big business and things like this, you start to realize like, you know, there's good things and bad things to everything, but there's this necessity of how the world goes around. So long story short is I was teaching yoga, couldn't really see any way for upward mobility. And so the only really next step I saw was to open a studio. So I hustled together some money, convinced a couple of people to invest in me, give me some hard (laughs) money loans for about 12 months. And, um, yeah, I opened a yoga studio and a, re- and a restaurant, believe it or not in, on a small Island in Thailand wow. and, uh, really just, you know, it's been, I would say in the past six months, I've had a little bit of time to breathe, but it's been pretty much flat out for 15 years. It's really, it's really been, uh, it's really been a lot of work. And so the, the yoga studio was the first thing. And, you know, then we made a nutritional supplement line and then we partnered with a health business and we did, you know, some best-selling books and health conferences and a whole bunch of yoga events and all kinds of other things. And that's kind of how everything started. Nothing's really changed except that I'm doing more than I used to do. And I would say I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing things better, which is gratifying. 
Yeah. So talk to us about that. So you were in New York City. Were you, did you grow up in America or did you just come yep. to New York City? Yep. Okay. So I was born in the Midwest. I was born in Minneapolis. I'm always okay. hesitant to tell people that because I don't even, I, I mean, I know I was born on Russell Avenue. That's the only thing I know. I don't know any <laughs> other streets in Minneapolis. Um, I was a teenager in California. So that sort of feels like home, but I don't even have any family there anymore. So um, yeah, I've been, I've been out of the US now for 18 years. So it's been quite a while, wow. half, half my adult life, basically. But I was in my early 20s. I was in New York City and I was running a restaurant there. And I was just really wanting, I just kind of got the itch, like the call to adventure. And so my girlfriend and I at the time, we started saving up money. And I'd come home from my restaurant job and I'd take a, I'd make a lot of cash, you know, dollar bills. And I'd wad, wad up the dollar bills, put a rubber band on it. And I threw it up. I lived in, in Williamsburg in Brooklyn, which is now very fashionable, but it was kind of a dump back then. And I threw a big wad of cash up on top of the kitchen cupboard. And my girlfriend would cut hair in the kitchen and she would take her cash and put it in a Ziploc baggie in the freezer. And uh, every night we kind of count the cash and get ready for our big trip. And we thought we'd go for six months. And, um, you know, here I am. 18 years later. So I always kind of intended to come back. And then, um, no, I didn't always intend to come back. There were a couple of kind of pinnacle points where I thought I'd come back, thought I'd come back, thought I'd come back. But, uh, this is one of my big takeaways. You gotta be really careful what you choose to do. It's worked out very well for me, but these little decisions, every little job you take, every little project partnership, they end up becoming part of who you are. You can't really, you you know, you can't shake it. Yeah. I mean, I left New York city, pre-restaurant, I've been working in marketing. My very first job was in marketing. And I still, to this day, I spend most of my time doing marketing, you know? So it's, it's, it's one of those things. It, it, you become what you do really quickly. So yeah, the marketing and sales, whatever you want to call it, man, yep. I don't care what profession you're in. You got to be good at it. Don't you? For sure. For sure. So, so how does that go? So you call home and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you didn't, maybe you did. You, you tell mom and dad, Hey, I'm going to Thailand or I'm, yeah. I'm going uh, you know, to Spain now and I'm going to do this business deal. How, how's that going down? Yeah. You know, I, um, I left home when I was 15. So I've been, I've been on my own for quite a while and, yeah, yeah. um, and I couldn't really tell you how it happened. Um, yeah, just, just, you know, one, one thing leads to another opportunities I, I guess what happens is the one thing that I've done really, really well, I've made so many mistakes in business, but the one thing I've done really, really well is I've always had really good timing, really, really good timing, just knowing when to get in, knowing when to get out, knowing when to move, when not to move. Um, you know, I was living in Williamsburg in, in New York city. I had an apartment for $950. I'm sure it's about $4,500 now. You know, I live in a great city. I, I, I moved to Bangkok and there were three yoga teachers and I was one of them. Um, I was a lousy yoga teacher and my classes were packed. You know, if I lived in New York city, they would have laughed me out of town. Oh, yeah. And so that, this is one thing that I've really, really, um, really, really thought about recently is just like where, look where the river's flowing and step into that. If you can, if you can. And I've been really fortunate to be able to do that. Um, for some reason, it's one of the things that I'm good at and I'm not, um, not an innovator. I'm not cutting edge or anything like that, but somehow I, somehow I have a really good, uh, intuition for, for where opportunities are. And that's really, really opened a lot of doors. So I, long story short, as I got to Thailand, things were easy. Things were really easy. I was on television. I got gigs. I got paid well. I got visas. I, uh, it was fun. It was, <laughs> things were flowing. So, <laughs> so I just kept, I just kept going with it. Cause if I were to go back to the States, uh, there, there, there was a thousand guys like me in New York city. So, yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. So what, what advice would you have for that person now that's saying, Hey man, I really want to follow my dreams. I need to do this. I think you would, you would agree with me is that timing is never right. Even though you said you, you, one of your, I guess the plus sides of what you've done is the timing has been right, but yeah. it never just feels right. Would you agree with that? 
I never feels right. And you're never ready. The, 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 yeah. the, key, the key thing is you're never ready. Everyone's always worried about when you're right. You, you're not ready and you're not ready when you're doing it. You're not ready right in the middle of it. Um, and if you are ready, you're probably bored of it already. So um, that's the hardest thing. It's just kind of embracing the, the, the challenge and the awkwardness of starting something new because it's, it's just inevitable. Yeah. So how, how important is the word action? And, and let me, let me paint a picture first before mm -hmm. I talk about that, yep. but action I think is huge. And that's part of the circuits of success There's attitude. There's your belief system. There's the actions that you have to take to ultimately get results. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to just use a little story about this one is I saw your ad on like Facebook and Instagram or something like that. Mm -hmm. It caught my attention. We take action and now here we are having a conversation, right? Yep. And I and I only paint that picture not to say, oh, look at this. This is so cool. It's mm -hmm. more of a, hey, you see something in life, you've got to take action and you got to get it done. So you were on this sponsored ad and you were talking about, you know, the left side of your nostril, the right side of your nostril, mm -hmm. the fight or flight. Uh, you know, I wear a whoop bracelet. I understand hey, that. Yeah, I got uh, one too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and so, you know, I understand that, that those systems, yep. I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't really understand like I probably should, but that yep. caught my attention. Right. So what would, how would you explain that to people? Maybe walk us through that left, right nostril deal and how this is going to help us in our everyday life. Nervous system stuff. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about, controlling your nervous system, a lot of talk about meditation, a lot of talk about de-stressing, but I don't think people really fully understand what's going on. And what's going on is we're just, we live in a world where it's just imbalanced. And yeah. the truth is the world has never really been balanced. There's kind of this idea that in the 1950s, like mom and dad came home and made dinner and I don't know what they watched the Mary Tyler Moore show or something right. that was a little later, but um, things have always been crazy. The only difference is right now we have real-time access to it. So if you and I flip open whatever app, we'll just see crazy chaos, death, destruction, floods. Uh, you know, there, there's yeah. floods in the U.S. There's floods in New Orleans right now. There's floods here in Spain, Toledo. There's there's cars floating down their street. Um, so that's the only thing that's changed. And the thing is, with our with our lives right now, because we have access to all that stuff, it feels like everything's blowing up all the time. It just feels like everything's horrible. Um, I've talked to so many people in recent weeks who are just telling me that their life is chaos. And, and by any, any metric you want to measure, historic, family, their parents, what, they're doing great. <laughs> like, yeah. They're just doing awesome. But we really lose perspective. And it's no wonder. We are paleolithic, neolithic beings walking around in a fully wired society trying to think about really deep thoughts like equity and equality and democracy and cryptocurrency. And our brain is just saying like, survive and procreate, survive and procreate, you know, survive and procreate. And we flip open Facebook and there seems like all these threats to our ability to survive and procreate and our body just goes crazy. It just goes crazy. There's no, there's no way around it. We're just, we haven't evolved that much in the past 40, 50,000 years. It's not that much. And the, the world has just completely changed. And so we get all of this stimuli through apps and news and email and all this stuff that's just telling us that the world's gone to hell. And it's not that we're neurotic or anything like that. It's just, this is how we're wired. And so what happens is we just get all messed up. What does that mean? Well, what it means is like one of the big meta skills right now is the ability to self soothe. It's a really, really simple concept, but can you de-stress without cannabis, alcohol, CBD, binge watching Netflix, half a pint of Haagen-Dazs. And for most people they're going, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, but I like that. Yeah, yeah, but I like that. That's fine. I'm not saying become 
a Puritan. But what I'm saying is if that's your only tool, if your only tool for combating all this crazy nonsense that's coming at us nonstop, if your only tool is something that tears apart your health, it's going to exacerbate the problem long-term. It's not going to alleviate it. And so the big meta skill right now is just, you know, you're wearing a band, I'm wearing a band, just trying to figure out like, where am I at? Like, like, where am I at? And, and trying to figure out intelligent use and intelligent exposure, limit the stuff we can, but probably most important is just developing like radical ability to self-soothe in a way that our caveman ancestors, they just didn't, they just didn't need that. They had downtime and they had nature and they had fires and they had family. And, and, and there's this romantic ideal that we're going back to that but we're not, we're not. No. Information is just going to come faster. People are going to live in more urban areas. Food is going to become more, pro- it, it, we're not going that way. So what we instead have to do is we have to keep up with the movement. What that means is figuring out ways to self-soothe. And so when you come back to your nervous system, understanding which branch of your nervous system is dominating is just a very, very simple question of self-inquiry, which is, hey, where am I at right now? How am I doing? And if I'm not in the right nervous system state for what I would like to do, like be present with my kids, eat a meal, do something creative. How can I get there? I love that. So let's, so can we go a step further with that? So yeah. all great information, but now let's real world exercise that. How do we yeah. do that? So those of you sure. that are watching, you can check it out on YouTube. I mean, if you're listening, check it out on YouTube uh, and uh, you'll be able to watch this. So yeah. let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let me do a quick exercise for you, Brett. I'm worried we're going to creep all your, your viewers. Cause I'm sitting here in the dark. We're losing sunlight. Let me, let me add a light here. I'll be right back. All right. That sounds good. Okay, so for everybody listening and everybody watching, but you can do it if you're, if you're not watching too, just take your, your index finger and put it underneath your nose. Okay. And now I'd like you to exhale three times. And if you don't feel it, what you can also do is take your fingers and have your thumb and your index finger right underneath each nostril and again, blow three times. And what we're looking to do here is try to figure out which nostril is dominant. And dominant means which one is stronger. Sometimes if you're new to doing this, it's not completely obvious, but usually within a little bit of, with a little bit of practice, you can figure out which nostril is dominant. So Brett, which, which nostril is dominant for you right now? They, they seem fairly close, but I think it's it was my close. right side. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm in my right nostril. And um, what immediately happens is people are worried that they're going to discover something wrong. <laughs> right. Like there's a right or a wrong one. Yeah. With your nervous system, there's nothing right or wrong, right? Our, what our body wants to do is survive and procreate. That's what it wants to do. And there are different times and different things are necessary. So first thing in the morning, Brett, you and I, if we were living in a, the way that our genetics are wired for, we would wake up and being the provider of our family and slightly physically larger than our mate or whatever, we'd, we'd go out and we'd, we'd probably, I don't know, there's romantic idea that we'd go for an antelope, probably you and me, we're going for like rats or rabbits or, or lizards or something, you know, we're going to, we're going to probably have yeah. a lazy Thursday. So we're probably going to come back with some kind of miserable rodent for, for breakfast for, for our family, but we need to be in a, in a fight or flight state. And what that means is, unfortunately that fight or flight, it sounds bad. And what people think is I want to be chill. I want to be mellow. I want to be relaxed, but no, we need that state. And what happens on a physiological level is your body prioritizes specific organs, in this case, your lungs and your heart. And so what your body's thinking is, okay, Lucas and Brett, they got a couple of kids and a partner starving by the fire. 
go find something. If you need to run, you run. If you need to flip over a rock, you flip over a rock, but don't come back empty handed. Bring me a little lizard or a little rat, or maybe Brett gets ambitious and goes for a rabbit, right? But you got to get, you got to get something to come back. And so we prioritize our body from a resource management perspective, prioritize your heart and your lungs. And it's as much as 12 times as much blood is going to your heart and your lungs. 12 times. And you're saying, is that the right or left? Or you're just explaining it right now? This is when you're in your right nostril. This okay, is so in right in nostril. Fight or flight state. Yeah. Right nostril, is it what state, flight state? Fight or flight, yeah. Sympathetic nervous system. The, the names are really confusing. The one that sounds nice, that's the fight or flight one. Sympathetic is the fight or flight one. It's a little confusing, but maybe just easier if you think of them as fight or flight and rest and digest. So your nervous system is you and me, we're going out hunted. We're going to get a little rabbit or a rat or something like that. And our body's going, okay, heart, let's prioritize lungs. Let's prioritize skeletal muscles. Let's prioritize, but you know what your digestion, let's just let that be your immune system. We'll worry about that later. And so you get in a state where your body's really, really, really good at what? answering emails, making cold calls, shuffling papers, going to meetings, you know, multitasking, all this kind of busy, low cognition hustle. And what happens is we get stuck there. And it's really, really hard when you're in that mode to digest lunch. It's really, really hard when you're in that mode to get aroused with your partner. It's really, really hard when you're in that mode to have a creative thought. It's really, really hard when you're in that mode to, I don't know, solve a problem. You, you, all you want to do is just like nail things down and, and delete inboxes and check off check marks and hmm. hustle, hustle, grind. And then what we do is we stack things on top of it that amplify that. So a little bit too much caffeine, a little bit too much sugar, a little bit too much Fox news or CNN or pick your poison, whatever crisis network <laughs> you, you prefer. Um, and, and very quickly we get stuck in the state. And so it's not that fight or flight is bad. What's bad is when you just don't have any balance and that lack of ability to self-soothe, it has a real cascading effect and it shows up with impaired digestion. It shows up with hormonal imbalance. It shows up with ED. It shows up with sleep dysfunction. It shows up differently for different people, but it comes pretty quickly. And the only way you need to see this is like, if you look at like, um, like when I lived in New York city, I had a couple of friends who'd get these analyst jobs, right? Straight out of Ivy league universities. And they go from like, you know, young, energetic people to like bloated shells of humans within like six months. Cause they're just working themselves to yeah. death. They're just in a fight or flight mode, eating takeout food, pump full of coffee. I mean, they just, they look like hell. They feel like hell. And it's no wonder they're, they're, they're allocating all of their resources towards just one thing, which is go, go, go. And, and unfortunately just, you can't do really, really, you can't do your best work when you're stuck in that state, you need to empty the inbox. But there are times also when you need to think, huh, should I even be getting this much inbound? Like, do I need to hire an assistant? You know, all, all yeah. these kinds of decisions. Well, so that's, that's the right side, right? So yep. then if we're yep. on that, so I'm, yep. so again, make sure I hear you correctly. That's the fight or flight side, the left yep. side, if I was more left dominant, that's the rest yep. and digest. That's more of your chill, if you will, Correct. Um, side. So I'm on the right side. I'm, I'm more focusing, even though I don't know this, but the heart, the lungs, things like that are being more watched in my body versus the immune system, my digestive system. Yeah. So you could have some stomach issues or some heartburn, things like that. If I'm in yeah. the fight so, or flight. 
Symptoms, yeah, I'll give you a, right? uh, give you a classic two classic examples which everyone will relate to. So the the first one is uh, so many people that I work with, they hate to eat lunch, they hate office lunches because they have an office lunch and it just doesn't digest. They have terrible digestion, and this is because all the blood is in their heart and their lungs because they're in this go 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 state. Now some people are going, ah, I don't know about that. Maybe it's just bad food. Here's another example. Let's take it completely out of the cognition example. Go watch like a marathon or an obstacle race. And you'll see a bunch of guys on the side of the road with their pants at their ankles and they're pooping in the ditch. And you go, what are these guys doing? The reason they're doing that is because they had to eat because it's too long, right? So they have to eat like hundred calories an hour, but all their blood is in their heart and their lungs. They can't can't digest it. That's why they eat these sugary gels. That's why they drink. They put Coca-Cola in their water bottles. It's not because they want to be drinking this stuff. It's because their digestive system is just completely shut down. They have no, they're allocating resources. You know, it's like, if you go into work every day and you just keep ignoring accounting, that's going to catch up with you. And when you're doing an endurance endurance event, that's four, six hours long, you are by definition, ignoring (laughs) digestion. And so it's going to, it's going to show up with your pants at your ankles in the ditch or some kind of weird gel supplement, (laughs) people even eating candies, people drinking Coca-Cola, you'll see it all the time. And people often go, what are they doing? Why are these high level athletes sucking down Red Bull and Coca-Cola? They're doing it because it's all they can manage to digest. Even something like a banana can send people, send people just churning in their belly. Man. So, so, okay. So now I'm on the right side. So I need to be more on the left side every now and then, right. I need to uh, rest and digest. So how do I do that? How do I go from the right to the left or how does somebody that's left go from left to right? Let's start with right to left. Yeah. So, so everybody's different, right? And everybody has different cycles, but most people, if you're in a balanced state, every couple of hours, let's call it every one and a half, two hours, you'll cycle back and forth. And this is why people do time blocking for work. You think it's because of some but New York Times bestselling book you read or something like that. But it's really rooted in our nervous system and the way our our physiology is set up. And so again, let's pretend it's Thursday morning and you and I need to go round up some food. We need to go get that food. But then once we bring it back, we need to eat it and digest it. So we need to have this switch. So it's about two hours, but everybody's different. So what happens if you're not switching? What happens if you feel yourself wired, but tired and you need to eat lunch? What if you feel yourself wired, but tired and you're tossing and turning in bed? How do you deal with it? Well, this is where yoga breathing is pretty interesting because it gives us a really, really strong lever to pull to shift our nervous system. I often like to equate it to driving a manual car and suddenly having a button where you can take over and drive in manual. Um, and, and so this is what we do on a very, very simple level to shift from a sympathetic fight or flight, go, go, go Lucas and Brett hunting for rabbits mode to rest and digest mode. on a very simple level. We slow down our breath and there are, it's quantifiable and there's numbers and metrics and things, but essentially we're trying to get our breath to about half or less of the pace that you and I are breathing right now. And it kind of has like a fuzzy sledgehammer effect on your nervous system and it, it helps to calm you down. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. So, so how, how often is somebody doing uh, the breathing, the meditation, things like that? What, what's your recommendation there? So what happens is if, if you have a poor ability to self-soothe and you know it, meaning you're wired, but tired all the time, you find yourself cranked up a lot. You find yourself turning to red wine, cannabis, CBD, Netflix, Hagen does, and you just know that you need something else. 
it might take some time. It might take some time when you get better at this. It doesn't take much time at all. Cause you start to train your nervous system. Like my heart rate variability is off the charts. It's incredibly high, ridiculously high because I've been doing for the past 18 years, I've been doing mindful breathing practices so consistently. And so if somebody's new to this, it can take some time, but we're still talking about really small amount of time. I'm not talking about like 20 minutes twice a day, like transcendental meditation. I'm not talking about yeah. like an hour of contemplative prayer in the morning. Really what I teach when I teach breathing for nervous system management is three sessions in the day, morning, noon, and night and noon just means sometime in the middle of the day. And I say it's five minutes, morning, noon, and night, but it's really anywhere from two to five minutes. And some of my best clients, meaning those getting the best results are doing like, yeah, two, two to three minutes, morning, evening, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. And it really, really helps to check them in. And people say, ah, how can that work? And I say, just stop for a second. You're already doing this. You're already doing this with your nervous system. Here's what I mean. You wake up. First thing you do is you go straight for that coffee, right? Mid afternoon, you feel that slouch. What do you do? You grab a cup of coffee or you grab a Red Bull or you grab an energy drink, or you grab a granola bar, or you grab some sort of organic sugary bar that you pretend is good for you. And then in the evening, people grab something like a couple of glasses of red wine or a vape pen or whatever they're into. And so already we have these little nervous system reminders that a lot of us have anchored from like age 13, age 14, really, really young. And so it's not, it's not a stretch to think that a holistic anchor could have that big of an effect. And, and I've seen it play out so often. So yeah, really what we're talking about is just a, a breathing break three times a day. That's what, that's usually what I recommend. Well, it's funny. I just went to my whoop. Uh, and so those of you that don't have whoop, your heart rate variation is, is basically how healthy or not how healthy, but how far the beats are across. Yep. Right. So it doesn't mean 60 beats a minute. Doesn't mean you have 60 beats every second. It could be 0.9 seconds, 1.1 seconds and so on and so forth. And it's funny because I have a lower heart rate variation, Yeah, but I, I just went back to look because I meditate fairly often, but you know, mm -hmm. you're busy and things go on and you could go a few days. Well, I did it every day, almost twice a day, two weeks ago for a week. So 14 times in a week did I meditate and my heart rate variation was seven points higher on average that week than it has been for the last two months. Yeah. And so your point is, is that's not shocking to you that just that one little movement of even in my example, morning and at night can make that big a difference for the healthiness of my heart. It can make a huge difference. The, the other, the other thing that's helpful for people to understand is like, it all sounds very woo woo and like new age biohacker, this kind of thing, but almost everybody who has kids knows how important bedtime is and mealtime is and routine, right? Yep. You're like, Oh, can't miss nap time. You know, I can meet you at 12 right. on Saturday, but I gotta be home for nap time. And why is that? It just has to do with your body loves routine. And why does it love routine? Because we're cavemen. We're just cavemen. And the sun comes up and we wake up. The sun goes down, we go to sleep. This is how we work. And so our, our body, those biorhythms, right? Moving from a fight or flight, rest to digest every couple of hours, that happens automatically in a kid. You see it happen, right? He has to have his nap. Why? He'll go right. crazy. Well, guess what? I also need my naps. <laughs> I'm also going crazy. I just show it in different ways. I'm just like, passive aggressive, or I send nasty emails or, you know what I mean? We all, we all yeah. do it. And so, um, it's really, really helpful when you start to think about these real, the, the real world examples, which almost all of us see all the time with, with young children.
I'm just taking my note here of uh, focusing on that breathing. Um, and so the other thing is I found to be kind of crazy. My wife and I were just talking about this and, and she wears a whoop well, but I'll only talk about my results. But mm. so the other night, um, you know, no alcohol, went to bed mm -hmm. at a decent time and we woke up the next morning and I had a very low recovery rate. Yeah. Well, you, you look at that. Right. And so I go back and say, okay, what did I do yesterday? Well, isn't this crazy? So work, kids games, go to this new place in, in here in, in our area called raising canes, right? It's terrible, good food, but terrible for you. Right. Yeah. 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 It's the chicken strips. It's the fried sure. grab a lemonade it, you know, yep. it's now nine 30, nine 45 at night, but that's the first time we had because we had so many soccer games. Yeah. And so the next morning, my recovery was terrible, even though again, no alcohol and still about seven and a half hours worth of sleep. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Right. To me is an aha, like, eye opener because I don't normally eat dinner late at all, but that yeah. night I did. And this is the change mm -hmm. that has on our bodies. So what do you think about that? Yeah. And I, I, it's great that you mentioned measuring because this is what so many people tell me, you know, it's just like, Oh no, like my, my half a bottle of red wine just gives me a great night's sleep. It's like, yeah. how do you know that? Like, have you really measured what's going on? Yeah. Because I found the same. It's like, uh, it's interesting. I took, um, something, something ridiculous, like two milligrams of melatonin the other day, which is like a, it's like a baby, baby dose, literally a baby yeah. dose. And same thing. My recovery was just crap. I was so proud of myself. I woke up, I'd slept for like eight and a half hours. And I was like, I'm doing great. This is so good yeah. you know, that I thought I'd like caught up on my sleep debt. And now it gives you terrible quality sleep. So many of these mm. things. But so many people yeah, are telling you to take the melatonin to go to bed, right? Totally. The, the, the red wine, the CBD, the THC, the melatonin, like almost all of that stuff helps you to feel like you went to sleep, but it doesn't really give you a good quality of sleep. And so a lot of this subjective health metrics, it's really, really a problem because we love, we love to tell ourselves good things about our bad habits. We love to think that, you know, the, the, the red wine is going to cure our heart disease. And we love to think uh, there's just so many things we love to tell ourselves, but at, at the end of the day, it, it's, um, it's really, really understanding your, your biochemistry and your nervous system makes the biggest difference. All right. So I, I think we caught most of that. I apologize. I cut out there somehow. I don't know what yep. went on, but we're, we're basically talking about the importance of this breathing, the no eating late, uh, you know, taking melatonin and did it really work? It actually, yep. for you, you saw worse sleep. Uh, I was looking at it last night. I did uh, in all transparency, I did have a, a glass or I think I had two glasses of wine last night, you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my sleep, uh, I didn't have as much REM sleep or deep sleep as I normally have. Right. I mean, I slept like a baby, right. So but, great. And then yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as much you know, REM yeah. or deep sleep. So yeah. uh, I think that's so important. So what other, what other advice would you have for the business people, the leaders, the parents, the athletes, whoever listening to this from a, I got to calm down, right? Life is crazy. All these notifications, bad news on the TV and your phones. I mean, what else? So the breathing, obviously eat right. Hydration is important. I know my sleep gets better, 66% better sleep when I have six to 10 bottles of water a day. Huh, interesting. Pretty crazy to know that. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, other thoughts, advice you would have? I mean, my, big, my biggest thing that, um, so I'm in my mid forties, I have three kids and uh, 28 staff. And um, my, my big thing is like, as I've gotten older, you just can't get away with as much. And yeah. so I think like being really honest with yourself and the thing is you're always going to have a bleed, whatever it is. So m my problem is sleep. I, I don't, I, I, you know, it's like, 
I, I swear I've slept eight hours and no, it's like five hours and 50 minutes. You know, I swear I've slept nine hours. It's like, I, 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 it's just my, it's my problem. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm working on it all the time. And I just, it's, it's my thing. What does that mean? Well, it means I, I, I can't really get away with much else. So I, I don't drink. I exercise every single day. I do my breathing all the time. And what I'm saying is I don't know what the right path is for everybody. But if, if you've got bleeds on all levels, meaning if you're not exercising, if you're eating crap food, if you're drinking too much, if you can't get to sleep without the Ambien or the vape pen or whatever, like it's too much. It, it's too much, especially as you get older, it's going to hit you really quickly with some kind of crisis. And so you, you have to figure out, you, you have to get, just get honest with yourself. You just, you just can't get away with, you can't get away with it for very long. And in fact, you can't get away with very much for, for, for a long at all. And so just trying to figure out what you need to do, not necessarily to be perfect, but just to figure out how you can get by. So uh, to, to give you some examples, I have some friends and colleagues and clients who are just great sleepers, just great. I mean, they, they, they just sleep like, I mean, they track their sleep. They show me it's like eight and a half, nine hours a night, like really good quality sleep. And they have kids, everything. They're just, they, they, they can just do it. What does that mean? That means they can be a little more lax with their exercise. They can be a little more lax with even their stress. They can be a little more lax with their food. Um, but so, so many people get to the point where one thing goes off the rails, the diet, or one thing goes off the rails, the exercise, or one thing goes off the rails, the sleep. And then little by little, you've stacked, you know, wobbly rails, wobbly rails, and yeah. you've got a major, major problem. And so I think it gets really, really overwhelming when you look at your life and you go, yeah, I, I got a bunch of things to fix. But if you just think, okay, like what, what's easy for me, what's easy for me. And for a bunch of people, they go, you know what? Like I drink, but I don't really care. Let me just stop that. And that can make a radical difference for other people. They drink and they're like, you know what? I, I need that. But like, I don't mind eating healthy. Okay. So let's do that. Or for other people, they go, you listen, I'm, I'm not going to sleep. Well, I don't know. You know, I got uh, a newborn or whatever, but I can go to the gym every day. I love that. It's just trying to figure out some way to stack the deck in your favor yeah. and fully embracing the fact that you won't get it right. You just, you just can't, it's just always a, a juggling game. I love that because I, yesterday I was recording with somebody and we talked about, um, the most important order of these things, sleep, water, nutrition, movement. Mm. Now let's throw in, you know, so that nutrition, eating bad, eating well, but you could throw in the booze, the vape pen, all the things you've been mentioning, but it's yeah. like to your point, I mean, it, it is so true. It's such an aha moment where it's like, you can't, you can't suck at all of them. Right. No. I mean, you just can't. And so no. when you hear sleep, water, nutrition, and movement, exercise, whatever you want to call it. Do you agree with that order? Sleep, water, you know, nutrition, you know, exercise. I, I, I'm really a big fan of doing whatever easy for you. So like, yeah. um, um, you know, somebody, there's somebody listening right now who goes like, I don't know about all that stuff, but like, if I could just go do my CrossFit water, if I could just go to that yoga class, or if I could just go to that cycling class every day, I would yeah. love to do that. Like, just like get the easy win, like just do the easy win. And so like I said, for, for most people, usually at least one of these things they actually want to do, they're just not doing. And so I would pick the easy win. You can get away with, you can get away with a lot, but especially if you've got one real anchor in your, in your health life and they start to snowball, they, they start to snowball. You know, if you're having trouble drinking enough water, you're having trouble getting enough sleep, but you get into exercise that can stimulate it. And so it, the, the positive spiral definitely can get started, but I'm, I'm all about just picking an easy win. Whatever, whatever of those seems uh, easiest, just go for it. You know? the easy win. Uh, what do you wish you could go back and tell your 10 uh, year younger self? What, what would that be? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, from which perspective health business, just, just, yeah. I mean, all the above. I mean, if you could give your feedback, you know, if you could rewind 10 years ago and now you're this mid thirties or low thirties guy, you could say, Hey, yeah, do this right. Or, or, or don't worry about that. What, what are some of those kind of things for you that are really important to you? You're glad you know now, but you didn't know them 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess in business, what I would tell myself is like, it's really, I don't even like saying this now because I really wish it weren't true, but like, you just have to focus on yourself. I spent the vast majority of my career building platforms, building structures, creating opportunities for other people who didn't want it nearly as much as I wanted it. And I realized like, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to share a dream. You kind of just have to have a dream and invite others to join you. And so that's what I, that, that's what I would tell myself is just, just focus on whatever you're into and hope you can get some people to follow along. Um, I spent so many times trying to convince other people that my dream was their dream and we can dream it together. And it just, uh, a a lot of, a, a lot of really heartbreak along the way. Um, from a health and nutrition perspective, I think, um, I think, you know, the biggest thing that people should just think about is what what are the big levers you can pull? And the the simplest thing I spent so many years lecturing on nutrition and I guess I still do, but the biggest thing people just need to realize is we have an abundance of carbohydrate right now. It just, it just is what it is. It doesn't matter where you go. There's a whole bunch of carbohydrates in the same way that there's a whole bunch of salacious news. There's a whole bunch of carbohydrates. They, They just are. There's just too many. There's just too many. I'm not saying never eat carbs. I'm not saying low carb. I'm not telling you go keto. I'm just saying there's too many. <laughs> so yeah. uh, from a nutri- nutrition perspective, all you realize is every time you went in the grocery store that there's just a whole bunch of carbs and a couple of other things, that, that's a really, really big revelation. And I think I spent a lot of time nutritionally trying to find magic pills and potions and ketones and all this kind of crazy stuff, which I still like all that stuff. But again, thinking about the big, big levers that you can pull, really just understanding, okay, what, what is the landscape here? Where are the landmines? And we've just got carbohydrate bombs all over the place. (laughs) So if I uh, steal your cell phone from you over there and and I say, Hey, I'm going to delete something now, email, calendar, things like that you got to have, but so I won't delete those, but yeah. Is there an app? Is there a thing on your phone? You're like, Oh my God, Brett, please do not delete that because I need it for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I, I, you know, if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said audible. I've been a crazy audible consumer since 2000, whenever it came out, 2006, 2007, pre before Amazon even bought them. Um, I read hundreds of books. In fact, I think it's something like 500. Um, absolutely changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that has had as big of an impact on me as audio content in recent years, for whatever reason, I've switched more towards, Mm, I guess podcasts like this kind of stuff that we're doing now. And I've started to listen to a lot more, I guess it's, I guess it's podcast interviews, but I still read a lot of audiobooks. but if you had to pick one app, it'd be my, it'd be my audible. Um, yeah. it, it's just such a, it, it, it's just such an underrated asset that people don't, don't leverage enough. So it is. And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because so I have audible and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I bet I have not listened to more than 30% of a book on Audible. Sure. Because I like find myself, like if I'm trying to do it, I'm driving and I'm like, I get yeah. tired and I you know, want to swerve off the side of the road because I'm yeah. exhausted. And then yeah, day doesn't go well. I mean, I'd be curious on when you're finding time to just listen to 500 books over the last five <laughs> years. So I'd you know, want to say congratulations. I'm proud of <laughs> like I read, I actually read cover to cover 
22 to 30 bucks a year. Um, And so uh, maybe I'm answering it myself instead of reading it and listening to it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think um, because I've talked to so many people about this, my habit is totally anomalous. And I think everyone is different the way that they consume. And I think it's not about like, I'm an audio guy. I, I've already, always been an audiophile. I love audio. I love the format. I, it works for me. So when do I listen to stuff? Absolutely. Always. I never, ever mm-hmm. stop. Um, I just, when I wake up in the morning, all I want to do is learn things. That's, that, that's, just, that's all I think about our ideas and concepts. And, um, but if it doesn't work for you, don't force it. There's so many people trying to force themselves into somebody else's routine. But what I think is a mistake is not to tap into the well of just crazy amounts of brain dump knowledge that people are spewing out all over the internet all day long. So whatever people connect with, you know, if you're completely connected to Instagram, do that. If you're completely connected to YouTube, the hack is you have to, you have to hide all the salacious stuff from yourself. And so no bikini girls, no like get rich overnight guys. You have to hide all that crap from yourself. Um, When I open my Instagram, it's a whole bunch of like, physiotherapist talking about anatomy nerd stuff. That's all I see. I follow like 30 accounts and they're all like anatomy people. And so you have, you have to really be careful because those, those channels will take you somewhere where you should never be. But um, if you can control your inputs, there's just a tremendous amount of information out there that we've just never had access to before. Well, it's garbage in garbage out, right? Yeah. You got a bunch of crap going in. That's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to get. So uh, what are your go-to books? Um, I read so many books that I, uh, don't have really strong opinions about them. When you read as much as I read, you start to read, you start to realize I read nonfiction only. And when you read, I don't know when that happened, but 20 years ago, I just stopped reading fiction, which is a bad thing, but it just, it's just what happened. And when you read as much as I read, you start to realize that there are these trends in, in nonfiction trade paperbacks where three, four five books a year will come out and they're kind of exactly the same. And you go, I think I've read this before. Yeah. And this, this is the way, like this is the way ideas are born. And these people are in the same circles and things like that. But the book that I always revert back to, in fact, probably the only book that I've read more than once this book, I think I've read five times is old school Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. People, people always make fun of it. And they always say like, I've read it. And I was like, did you really read it? Did you really read it? Cause wow, that book's just, uh, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Um, so I always come back to that book. Um, uh, business book, Robert Cialdini's influence is a book I've come back to a lot, quite a lot of times Mm -hmm. as well from a sales and marketing perspective. I just, uh, it just a really, really has stood the test of time. Um, yeah, I think that would be it. I mean, there's tons of other, there's tons of other books, but I don't, I, I don't think it's really that helpful to read gajillions of books unless you like to read gajillions of books, but those, those are the two that I always send people to. I like it, Lucas. So where do our listeners find more of Lucas Rockwood? Where do we, uh, where do we find you, man? I am, my website's yogabody.com. I have a nerdy nutrition and, uh, I don't know, personal growth development podcast called the Lucas Rockwood <laughs> Show. It's lucasrockwoodshow.com. And uh, that's about it. I teach online and I have a whole bunch of free resources on social media, YouTube, and things like that if people are interested. And Lucas Rockwood on, the, uh, on Instagram as well. That's me. Up there, just... Good follow yeah, there. Lots of good stuff, some good yeah. good tips and tools. So, uh, hey, man, it's been great having you on the Circuit of Success. I'm very thankful for your time. And uh, all the way over, in, what time is it in Spain right now? It's just before nine, so it's evening. Okay. Well, we appreciate that. I know you got a family at home, so thanks so much for being with us on the Circuit of Success. Thanks, Brett.
Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.